Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Creative Marketing Podcast with me, Angus Boyle. Today on the show, I'm joined by an absolute legend of a man, a man who has founded multiple restaurant chains in America, namely The Meatball Shop and Searson's, both of which have scaled to, you know, multiple chains across America. Also, a man who's working on founding a new brand, a brand called Creatures of Habit, that uh, I think is going to be extremely exciting in the coming years and definitely one to watch out for. We we talk in detail about both the restaurants and, and Creatures of Habit as a brand and, and we talk about how Michael generally approaches Oh, have I said <laughs> I've said his name is Michael. My guest today is none other than Michael Chernow. And on the show Michael discusses with me a range of subjects, but a lot about how he goes about starting a business. Because he's a man who has great success at starting businesses. In his own words, he sort of likes to, to do the first few years of the business and then hand it off to somebody who sort of grows and scales things beyond that. But he talks a lot, and I think that's sort of the relevant target of this podcast. He talks a lot about how to how to start things, how to launch things, how to go about taking something from an idea to to something that's real and and a tangible product in the market in the world so i think really useful a lot of really super useful lessons in in this episode we also talk a bunch about habits and that's what the new business creatures of habit is is centered around but michael's also a man who has centered his life around healthy habits and um some really interesting stuff there as well and some some definite useful stuff that people can take into their own lives particularly as we as we approach the the new year and there's going to be a lot of people i'm sure myself included setting sort of new year's goals new year's resolutions things like that i really enjoy this conversation like i said michael's like a proper rock star entrepreneur a man who has achieved great success in his life and he's sharing some great lessons in this episode for for anyone who has any real interest in following in his footsteps obviously got to give a shout out to the sponsors artbyangus.com before we get into the show uh you know the drill these paintings will probably be considered some of the greatest paintings that have ever existed in the world now's your chance to buy them at at just completely reasonable prices before they're charging you know thousands if not hundreds of thousands per painting but you know don't get one if you don't want to it's fine <laughs> um whatever <laughs> Um, other than that it's Christmas soon there may be no episode next week I may do a little solo solo cast we shall see I'm leaning towards the latter option but who knows I'll hedge my bets now and say it might not be happening Um, and yeah let's fucking get into it welcome to the creative marketing podcast ladies and gentlemen boys and girls welcome to episode 11 of the creative marketing podcast today i've got normally i do the intros off the cuff but you've got too many things that i had to write down so i'm probably going to miss them but my guest today is a man who is a restaurateur and an entrepreneur he's the founder of restaurant tra- chains such as seymour's and the meeple shop co-founder of well well health drinks the founder of creatures of habit an exciting new business that's coming on the horizon in 2021 a man who's hosted two seasons of his own tv show called foodborne hosts his own podcast called born or made if i'm not wrong a father of two possibly one of the shreddest most shreddest people i've ever seen in my life don't know how to say that word properly but my guest today is mr <laughs> Michael Chernow. <laughs> Thank you. For what up? Me, what is going? Very excited to be here. Thanks oh, for having me. It's. I mean, I've got a good feeling because eleven's my favorite number. It's episode eleven, and this is being recorded on Friday, the eleventh of December. So what could go wrong? It's just. Well, I got to tell you something that's really funny. I've got eleven eleven tattooed across my stomach. Actually, no way. Yeah. That's epic. Why? Because eleven eleven is my favorite number, um, and I've been seeing eleven eleven, you know, since I was a young kid, and I would, you know, always, I would just always see it, and I thought it was sort of weird how I would always just, I would see it, and and when things are going really well for me, I see it morning, night, and I see one eleven. Uh, so like uh, when things are moving and grooving, and I'm I'm in the zone, I tend to just see it often. And one day I had realized that I I, th- I think I saw it for like three months straight in the morning and in the evening. And this is when I was working at night as a bartender <clears throat> years ago, and I was dating my now wife. And uh, I said to myself, I'm gonna ask her to marry me, <laughs> and I'm gonna get eleven eleven tattooed across my stomach at the same time. And it worked out. That is 
That's amazing. And it's super fucking weird as well because I've seen shit about 11-11 being, you know, a good omen and stuff. And I feel like I've been optimizing my life, shall we say, in the last like six months. And I've started to notice it loads recently. So I hope uh, hope it's a, a good sign for, for well, both of us. Well, I, I make a wish uh, uh, every time I see it. It's the same exact wish for years and years and years. It changed once I got married, but... Uh, for the last 15 years, pretty much it's been the same. Um, so if you don't make a wish on 11.11, you should start doing it. Okay, noted. That's a t- success tip number one right there. Um, <laughs> God, I don't know where... Like, to, to start, I guess, can you tell us, like, maybe your own blurb about yourself and maybe a little bit about sort of yourself as a whole and then a bit about maybe what each of the businesses is, that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, a, I'm a born and raised New York City guy. I grew up in Manhattan. I am a people-loving, human-connecting, you know, sort of making other people happy is my North Star. Really love, right? It's like, that's what I, I live for. I live for love, to love and be loved. And um, I've been able to create businesses because of that, that passion that I have. Human connect connection and human engagement is something that I believe at the core of the human race is what defines us. And it's been studied for years and years that, you know, the one consistent piece of the puzzle in the in the journey towards happiness in life is relationships. People that have personal, long-term relationships are the ones that are happiest in life. And so I've, as, as a young kid, I always sort of gravitated towards people. And I learned early on that people were what made me really happy being around other people and communicating with other people. And so that led me to, you know, wanting to sell things at a very young age uh, so that I could be closer to people and really understand the dynamic of how people work. So when I was like five, mm-hmm. six years old, you know, I used to take all my toys that I was, you know, sort of bored of. And I remember it clearly. I lived on 87th Street between 1st and 2nd Avenue. And I would go down to the, sh- to the corner with my older sister. And this is in the 80s when like, that was okay. In the in the 80s, you can go buy cigarettes for your parents and you can walk around this New York City, uh, you know, unsupervised. And so... Simpler uh, times. What? Simpler times. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, even though crime, crime was through the roof. But I do remember that. And I remember, like, loving people stopping, you know, I, I, used, to, I used to lay down a, a, a blanket, put my toys out really nice and lined up and try to sell them for a buck to people walking down the street. And um, I just sort of did that a lot. But really, I think what drew me to that was the uh, ability to connect with humans at a young age. And I loved it. And I love talking to other people. And um, yeah, and so I I built businesses uh, all throughout my younger years. And, uh, you know, I was in business. If you've listened to me on on Gary's show, you'll know that I was in business, you know, all through my teens. And um, Mm Some good, some bad, uh, but at the end of the day, I've, I, I, I came to this place where I knew that I had an ability to create and I knew that I loved making people happy and I landed in the restaurant business. And so when I was 28 years old, I, I had done a lot of preparing for this, you know, this, this moment, but I, I opened up my own business called The Meatball Shop with my, my childhood best friend and business partner, Daniel Holzman. We opened it up. It was a smash home run grand slam it was just unbelievable and we raised money very quickly and we opened up five more and throughout that journey i realized that i really enjoyed the creative process of launching businesses and the team building Mm -hmm. and the the branding and rallying a group of people to wear the jersey to wear the flag and and feel proud of where what they did and so I said to my partners, hey, I feel like I want to create another brand, you know, would you guys be interested in buying some of my equity so that I can step down and do that? And so we worked out a deal and then I did the same thing with a brand called Seymour's that I launched without partners. And I grew that to six restaurants and in November, I recently sold my equity there to now create my next venture. And, you know, I think that that's probably how my life will go for the next, you know, however long, 25, 30 years. I love creating businesses, building value, building culture and then passing them off to the professionals who really know how to execute and scaling them nice okay well you sound like you're doing pretty well for someone if you're not deeming yourself a professional to me i mean i'm a pro in a different way you know i i uh i'm i'm i think i'm you know more of the artist in the uh formula and you know i'm and so 
you know, stick me with a with a pile of spreadsheets and standard operating procedures and things like that. And that's the best way to get me to want to jump out the window. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've I've told two friends who one who lived in New York and one who still lives in New York that you were going to be a guest on the show, and one of them responded with, "Oh my god, the meatball shop is fucking amazing," and the other person was like, "Oh my god, I love Seymour's." So, from my small uh, from my small sample size, there's pretty strong reviews across the board. I think awesome, and it's exciting and great that you call yourself the artist because I think the sort of the premise of this podcast is born from my my new passion of painting found in lockdown and sort of, I guess, a frustration with there not being enough content that I liked in terms of how to go about marketing yourself in a creative capacity. So it's very much aimed at sort of people pursuing creative endeavors, be that painting, you know, music, I think. And I think cookery is another another fine creative art for sure. And like sort of that whole world. So I guess sort of with that in mind a bit, but I think there's like tangential lessons from any sort of business as well. I think in terms of your journey, any early, first thing I'd love to know about any early marketing lessons or failures that you've, that you've learned from. You know, here's an, here's an interesting one. It's a little bit more of a technical lesson that I learned early on. But if you are a brand, if you are the brand or you're creating a brand, one thing to just know is that your IP, your intellectual property is the value. That's where the value resides, right? Like the product is obviously very important, but if somebody can just literally go and take the product and knock it off exactly the way it is or make it better than what you're doing and call it what you're calling it, you're you're a lot less valuable. And so when, I, when we named the meatball shop, the meatball shop, um, <laughs> we didn't, we didn't know that you needed a really good trademark. We just didn't think about it because we were young guys that just had never opened up a business before. So we didn't really think about the trademark. And as soon as we opened and we became, you know, like we were, we just got an enormous amount of press and, you know, all of a sudden there were people opening up meatball shops everywhere and mm -hmm. people in, so we immediately tried to file the trademark and, and, and we were put on the supplemental registry because it was like, too descriptive of a name, but we said we can't change the name of the business. So people in China bought the trademark and we're trying to sell it back to us. People in Russia bought the trademark and we're trying to sell it back to us. All over the Middle East, they said, we own your name in this region. If you ever want to open up a business here under your name, you're going to have to buy these rights back from us. And that's like a bit of a scam that happens. But what I guess the point of my story mm -hmm. is owning your IP, like legally is very important. And when you're, when you're marketing your business and if your business is successful or you are, you as the business are, are successful, just know that there are people out there that are, are paying close attention. And it's very, very important to, to have something that you own that, that nobody can steal without breaking the law. And so I would just say that that's a, that's a big sort of technical component of something that I learned now we have the trademark for the meatball shop, which is very cool. But you know, uh, I mean, we just we just got it, you know, the, the, it's very funny, somebody sent me a, uh, a like a page six article in the New York Post, where some of the girls from uh, Jersey Shore call themselves meatballs. And oh, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they opened up a meatball shop in Jersey and they called it the meatball shop, but they were selling like their meatball merch and the CEO of the meatball shop sent a cease and desist and said, Hey, like you can't do that. And got no response, got no response, got no response. And then essentially said, we're going to have to take you to litigation. Like this is, you can't, this is our, we have to protect our, our brand. Yeah. And it just got written. I was like, what the, I'm like, I'm going to fight with, I'm, 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 I'm suing Snooky. What's going on here? But I'm, you know, so so that's just a little a little tidbit. But you know, there's, I would also say that you know, if marketing is something that you're you're good at, which is something that you should be good at, because marketing and innovation, as far as I'm concerned, are the bloodline of most businesses. It's just how well are you able to market and how innovative are you. Because, you know, people want relevance and people want to, people love surprise and delight. And, mm -hmm. and so the innovation of marketing are very, very important. And it's very hard to buy that. It's hard to buy that. It has to, it, you know, typically the ones that do really well are the authentic ones. And so I, I would just say, 
you know, when, when, when launching a business and thinking about a marketing strategy, really understand what your story is, understand the brand, uh, the brand ethos and the brand story, because at the end of it all, business is storytelling, you know, it just mm -hmm. is. And if you don't have a story, you should come up with one. Um, and if you do have a story and you don't know how to tell it, you should probably find somebody that can help you tell it because human beings love for probably since the day one love to sit around the fire and listen to storytelling. They love it. And if you're able to tell a great story, you'll have people that are, that are down to sit and listen. And then if you tell it to them more than, you know, three or four times, and they're still as excited as they were the first time, then you're going to be the storyteller that they think about and talk about. And, uh, you know, that's a big, that's a big deal in business. You want, you want to be, you know, you want to be the storyteller that people sit around and listen to. Yeah, for sure. I like that analogy a lot. Well, yeah, I feel like we haven't evolved as far past the campfire days as we like to think sometimes, probably. <laughs> I guess flip side of that coin, any like early wins you experienced in marketing or, or sort of breakthrough moments where you're like, oh, that thing really worked. I can do that again, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, there was there's 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 been a, a bunch, I guess. So the day we opened the meatball shop, and I remember it like it was yesterday, our publicist was very, very adamant on keeping everything a secret, like a lock in a box secret. You don't let anybody in. You don't let you don't you, you, you keep the place completely covered so nobody can see what's going on. You don't talk to your friends about it. You keep it a secret because people love surprise. They love uncertainty. They love surprise. And we did. We kept it a big, big secret. We didn't tell anyone outside of our very close friends. Um, and it did not leak out until our publicist made the leak plan. And um, because of that, because we kept it a, such a, a secret for such a long time, uh, when we went to open the restaurant, there was um, like 250 people online to come in and there was only 38 seats in the restaurant. And so, you know, there were people that were just had like literally like essentially wrapped halfway around the block to, to get to get to the meatball shop. And the New York Post was there for the reveal, too, because our publicists were damn good. And uh, we pulled before we took the paper off the windows, we pulled all the people out in front of the restaurant. And we said, hey, guys, this is the first time we're doing this. This is unbelievable. Like, this is crazy. Can we all take a picture together? And we did. And it was a full page spread in, uh, in the New York Post. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. So, you know, keeping it a secret is definitely, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a little trick that if you do it strategically and you have a, you have a plan can really work out for you. Nice. Okay. So the next thing I wanted to ask is I've got a, I've got a friend in Ireland who's, um, who's recently enough started a, a food business. So I just, I have to ask a piece of advice on his, on his behalf. So shout out Gigi's Philly cheese. A, a rare, it's rare. You know, cheese steaks are a very common thing in America, but they're a very rare thing in Ireland. But this Mr. Owen Kenny is a pioneer in this, in this aspect and is, is bringing cheese steaks to the people of Ireland. But <laughs> so he's sort of, food truck model and I think doing a lot of like you know the food delivery app stuff as well any any advice for him or 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 indeed anyone else who's you know very early stages starting a food business about how to go about you know getting the word out there yeah I mean obviously social media is your best friend and you know it's it's not new news but being able to create things that look really pretty um, that don't have to be like elegant, but just like our mouthwatering food porn, right? Like the TV mm -hmm. show that I did. Also, I would say a really great thing for relatively new businesses, and, and I think the master of this was probably um, Roy Choi uh, when he launched Kogi in LA. He's sort of like the king of food trucks, or the he's the king of the resurgence of food trucks you know 15 mm -hmm. years ago whenever it was that that food trucks really became a thing again um, because food trucks were a big deal you know all through like history of food for the most part but 
he, Roy Choi kind of made them cool. But what he did was he really used social media to, to genuinely communicate with his customer, with his customers or his guests. And anytime somebody wrote something, he immediately was on top of it. And he really, it, it Kogi became a voice and Roy was the sort of man behind the voice, but Kogi was the brand that was talking to people. And so it might not have been as exciting for people to communicate with Roy at the time because Roy Choi was not Roy Choi then, but because he created this really cool brand that had this voice that was selling Korean barbecue tacos, mm-hmm. people felt very special when the, they got a response immediately. Like we made it a point when, when, you know, um, he did it really with Twitter. That was his his main, um, you know, and now it's before Instagram. So, but when Instagram hit, we made it a point at at the meatball shop and and at Seymour's that there was somebody always on social, so that when somebody was sitting at their table taking a photo and commenting and tagging the meatball shop, we had somebody that was on social constantly that would fire back a response in real time and Mm -hmm. that 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 drives awareness because people are like oh my gosh they're like real (laughs) you know what i mean they're they're like they're they're real they're 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 responding to us like right away and so it's like having a conversation in real time which is hard to do but also incredibly beneficial so especially in the beginning you know especially in the beginning, I would say just try to like stack as much Philly steak as you can see how high you can stack it. Try to get from like the top of the table to like the ceiling of the uh, food truck, take a picture of it. And then people are going to shit their pants. And then once they do that, then you start doing really fun things and communicating with your customers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thinking back to the, you know, perhaps someone who's an early stage creative, that sort of thing, or indeed sort of any any sort of early stage business venture, I guess. And thinking back to you then and you now, is there any marketing advice you wish you'd gotten earlier that you didn't have to learn the hard way? You know, I don't I don't know if I, I, I like learn the hard way or not. One thing that I will say is that like, especially in today's world, you know, when you think about content. And, you know, that word content in a lot of people's eyes is like dollar signs, you know what I mean? Like expensive. Mm -hmm. But I think today, because there's so much content being pushed out by so many different people of all ages, size, shapes, you know, financial positions that you can, content is anything that's created, (laughs) anything, anything. And so I would just say that like, as opposed to waiting for, you know, to have the money to get the, the video guy to come in to shoot you making your awesome sandwich or whatever it is, like just make shit and just and 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 actually don't care about what it, it necessarily is going to produce because you never know mm-hmm. what what will work and what won't, right? You can spend tons of money on super high quality, you know, content that actually is not going to crush it for you. Although you can you can take your phone and you know you can you can say a few things to your phone that's going to resonate with more people than you could have ever imagined, or you can doodle something on a piece of paper and take a picture of it and it just hits the mark, you know. So I would yeah. say like that that you can be doing stuff like that just constantly without spending money, and I had to learn that the hard way for sure. Um, because I was the guy that was like waiting for the high quality content always, you know, like, how Mm -hmm. am I going to do that? And what I'm learning now is that like, just do shit that you are able to do, but just make sure you're doing it, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, like on a regular basis, just make sure you're doing it. And, and it doesn't have to cost money. Uh, It could be, it could just, if you're creative enough to, 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 and if you're creative enough and confident enough, to think that you have a business that will work and you actually go up, go take the steps to execute something like that, then you definitely have the ability to create a shit ton of stuff that people are going to like to look at that costs mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah, I've definitely, that's an aspect that I, of my game that I've been trying to up for sure recently, but I have uh, feel like I've made some progress this year, definitely. But I think um, coming to the end of this year and looking into 2021, that's a, an area I'm going to definitely try to step it up and just like go beast mode in because i think you're so right it's like and it is there's no cost you can just like whip out your phone and you know make a video and it's like 
and people are so used to that, like that you don't need that sort of studio quality anymore, or anything like that. Like people are much, and I, feel, I think people prefer almost sometimes the, the more real stuff. Yeah, I mean, look, I took a photo the other day. I was walking around Hudson in upstate New York. I literally took a photo, and I love the new wide angle on the new iPhone. And I took a photo of pointing sort of down at my feet at a diagonal, but because it's such a wide angle, it got my feet all the way up to the like horizon. Mm-hmm. And I literally just took that photo and posted it. And I got like, I mean, people were just like, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and it's just, yeah. you never know. You never know. You never know what people are going to, re- what's going to resonate with people. And so I just say, and, and I'm, and I'm also speaking out loud here too. Like, I gotta, I've gotta be better at it. Just, just put out a ton of shit. And if mm-hmm. you really want it bad, don't care about what the repercussions are. Don't think it's gonna, uh, don't you know? The, don't think it's going to. Just keep putting shit out there because it's free. That's the craziest thing. When yeah. I, when I, when I launched my first business, there was no social media. There was, there was travel. What's that? What was that? Um, TripAdvisor and Yelp. And those were the two things that people were actually using. Those were the two things. And, you know, now you can literally, restaurants aren't even using publicists anymore. They're just putting together these amazing social media strategies and just going out there and doing it and and inviting in people to take pictures, you know, like just like influencers to take, you know, like, you know sending out a big email to like 150 of the top food blogger, Instagrammers in town and, and inviting them in on a, on a regular basis and saying, do not pay for this food. We want you to use this place as your kitchen. Come on in whenever you want. Like it costs them a lot mm-hmm. less money to do that than it does to have a publicist who really isn't going to really, you know, generate as much because that whole entire game has changed. So going to take it a bit of a bit of a different direction. Now. You're a man who, who speaks a lot about the importance of habit. And so I'm just interested to, to know, I guess, for you, what are, first of all, what are your most important habits? Or maybe even just what are the habits you, you execute on a daily, weekly basis? I mean, I, I believe at my core that we are a product of our habits. Actually, I don't believe it. I know it. We are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, and so I, I've implemented a, a number of habits that I do on a daily basis that uh, ultimately make me a better those habits don't fix my problems necessarily but those habits certainly keep me consistent and you know i would argue to say that my morning routine is probably my number one that's where the majority of my habits really are the minute i wake i wake up uh till uh about 9 30 in the morning and then things kind of get a little hairy and i have to reel it all back in but um you know i i, I wake up in the morning at around 5 30 every day the first thing I do when I wake up is I take my eye mask off, I open my eyes, and I smile from ear to ear. And I hold that smile for 15 seconds. Smile as big as I can smile. Uh, and I laugh at myself every single morning because it's ridiculous. But the beauty of it is that I laugh within 15 seconds of waking up. And that really introduces positivity, optimism, and levity into my day right away. Boom, first thing. Uh, and so I do that. And then I roll out of bed, I walk into the bathroom, I happen to piss first thing in the morning, so I take a piss because I'm deeply into fitness and sort of body optimization, life optimization, it's something that I just, it's a passion of mine. I I step on the scale every morning and then I uh, splash my face with water, I put on my contacts, I brush my teeth, and then I have a morning prayer you know, ritual that I kind of do every morning. So I pray uh, and I ask for help. And that's a big deal for me asking for help first thing in the morning, because a lot of people, including myself for a long time, struggled with asking for help. And, uh, and if I start my day, you know, asking for help from, you know, the fucking earth uh, or the universe, you know, it's a, I have a, just a better chance of asking for help from my team, from my family, from other people throughout the day. And so I ask for help from the universe in the morning. And then I do 25 push-ups just to get my blood going. And then I walk back out into my bedroom. Sometimes my wife is up because the kids get up. Sometimes they're not. If they are up, I make the bed. If they're not up, I sneak downstairs. I do a little journal entry. I drink my pre-workout. And I'm in the gym. And that time downstairs can be anywhere from 15 minutes if nobody's awake to 40 minutes if the kids wake up. Because if they wake up, 
I definitely, I'm not going to just like run away from them and go into the gym. I mm-hmm. hang with them for 20 minutes. So my gym time fluctuates some, somewhere between 6.15 and 6.45. I work out for about an hour and a half to two hours. I come inside. I have the same exact breakfast every day that I love. And that's where the protagonist, that's, that's sort of like what I'm launching my new business on, this breakfast mm-hmm. item. And um, I take a shower, a cold one, and I get to work. Nice. And that's that's pretty much. Huh? You can't beat a cold shower. Oh, it's good. So, but yeah, I mean, but those are those. Hurts, but <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is. There's no doubt about it. But there's something about stepping into a cold shower that just really kicks you into fifth gear, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I get in. I I'll, it, I'll start with it warm, and then I'll slowly just sort of bring the cold up. And then once it's cold, it's not freezing cold. I just kill the heat and kick it, kick fire the cold, and sit in there for about three to minutes uh and finish nice. my shower that way the other thing about habits i wanted to ask is are there any what, what's the one you struggle with the most at this point in life hmm, that's a great question um the one i struggle with the most i would say removing distractions um a habit that i like to try to practice is you know when i when i sit down to work on something to give it my best to work on that thing and not allow other things to interrupt or distract me. And that's tough, um, especially with working from home. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, it, it's like a constant distraction because I have a wife who has never seen me work from home before and I love her like nothing else on the planet. But when I'm home during the week in my office, you know, she sometimes doesn't understand that I'm actually at home, I'm actually mm-hmm. working. And so, you know, it's that's a challenge and then my kids are home most days they go to school from 8 a.m till 12 30 and then they're home and so you know every time i have to walk out it's like it's a real it's a real thing and of course my phone and text messaging and social media and all those things so this is like trying to live a distraction free day is not easy and so i would say i struggle with that i really do because i'd like to be a bit more productive you know, in my, in my day to day, as I build this new business. And um, yeah, so that's a, that's, that's, a, that's one that I struggle with a bit. And and I guess the only other one that I struggle with a bit that I'd like to be better at is going to bed before 10pm. Because I do wake up at 530 every day. Mm-hmm. And if I go to bed any later than 10, I'm getting subpar sleep. I really do believe that like, seven to eight hours of sleep is really mandatory for true productivity. I believe that some people don't some people think that you only need five or six, I just function much better. If I have eight hours of sleep, I function like a rock star. If I have nine hours of sleep, forget it. I'm it's not good. I, it's just I don't like getting more than eight hours of sleep. So the sweet spot for me is seven and a half hours really is like kind of where I like to be. So if I get at a 10, and I wake up at 530, I get seven and a half. If I go to bed at 11 and I wake up at 5.30, I've got six and a half and it's awesome. So I, I do like to try to, to get to bed by 10 p.m. Um, every night. And sometimes I just, you know, I blow it. I would say three nights a week, I, I push the bar. Like last night, I went to bed at like 11.30. It was not good. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I have an alarm, a recurring alarm on my phone that uh, I got good at for a while and recently I've, <laughs> Falling well off the bandwagon and just ignore it right at 10 30 to go to bed for similar reasons but yeah it's uh that's a tough one going to bed on time is a tough one because it's yeah you're just having fun being awake you know <laughs> yeah for me it's much easier to go to sleep uh wake up early than it is to go to bed at the right at the right time you know yeah for sure so another another change in change in direction a bit but uh I think it would be remiss of me not to talk to you about some shred tips for a man who's quite so shredded. I guess advice for somebody who wants to get shredded, because that's like I said, I'm planning my my 2021 vision, and I I've I've lost a bunch of weight versus like say two years ago, but I'm like still still have a bit of dough on there that I want to. I've never seen my abs properly, and I think I think 2021 should be the year that I do. So, any advice for that? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm here to tell you that it's absolutely 100% totally possible. There's ap- there's nothing standing in the way of that happening aside from you. Uh, that's the truth. The only person that could stop you from hitting that goal is you. It's all nutrition. I'll tell you that. It's mm-hmm. all what you put into your body. It's um, very, very important to understand what you consume and when you consume it. Not so much like 
when you consume it in terms of time of the day necessarily, but when you consume it in, in, in relation to how, if you're working out or not. Because if you don't work out and you don't move your body, then you really have to eat far less than you would if you were working out and moving your body. The whole, yeah. the whole, the way that one would get, get shredded or, you know, quote unquote shredded or, or, or lose weight and, and, and keep the muscle that they have. And actually I would rather, I'd rather call, say lose fat because that's the goal, right? You don't want to lose muscle. You just want to lose fat. The way that that works is you have to, you have to understand how many calories you burn a day and then you have to eat less than that. It's called a calorie deficit. You want to be in a calorie deficit, and that's the way you are going to trim the fat. You know, it's 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 not very difficult to figure that stuff out. You can go online and and type in sort of body body mass index calculator or uh, TDEE calculator to help understand how much you're burning on a daily basis. And then you you know the hard part is this. If you really want to do it, you have to you have to do it. You have to track your macros. You have to really weigh your food and and, and until you have a really good understanding of what your portioning is supposed to be. You know, that's how you do it. People think that they don't eat a lot and then when they actually look at it and see, oh yeah, you know, like fat is flavor, fat is delicious, but fat happens to be an enormous amount of calories, like an enormous amount of calories. One gram of fat is four calories, one gram of protein or carbohydrate. I mean, one gram of fat is nine calories. One gram of protein or carbohydrate is four calories. So it's fat is double the amount of calories plus what a gram of protein or fat is. I mean, protein or carbohydrate is. So, you know, and, and fat is hidden. Typically, you don't, you can't, you can't really see it. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to to quantify, especially if you're eating out. But a lot of people are cooking at home these days. And so this has been like the best opportunity for people to take their their nutrition uh, into their own hands and really understand nutrition. It's such a cool thing to know about nutrition uh, and and the the science behind it. It's like one of those things where like once you understand it, you know it forever. And it's mm-hmm. an easy thing to stick to. But I will say the hardest part for most people is the nutritional component because fitness, people can get used to fitness. You know, you can, you can get used to going outside and taking a walk. Like I would also suggest walk a minimum of 10,000 steps a day. You don't have to go run miles. You don't have to go do all sorts of crazy stuff on the, on, you know, in the gym for cardio. But if you walk 10,000 steps a day, you're way ahead of the game, way ahead. Interesting, that one. That's a good tip, the last one. Well, I mean, they're all good tips, but I like the walking one. Yeah, I've, I've done the calorie counting part before, but the macros bit has always been the, that's the bit I need to, that's my blocker, I think. That's the bit I need to dive a bit deeper into. Yeah, look, you know, the, here here's the deal. Like, people are afraid of carbohydrates, and they shouldn't be. Carbohydrates, the right carbohydrates are not going to make you, you know, overweight if you're active. Mm-hmm. What is going to, what is, you know, something that people need to pay attention to is their fat intake. You know, there's a lot of this high fat, no carb diet talk these days, like keto and and, and things like that. And the truth is, is that that does actually work. The problem is, is that people don't understand that carbohydrates are in almost everything. So if you're not really calculated about like the ketogenic diet, if you're doing that, then you're going to be eating fat and like super high fat and carbohydrates. And your body's going to be using the carbohydrates for energy to burn, because you're not depleting your body of carbohydrates. And it's going to be storing the fat as fat. And so, you know, it's, it's a tough, it's tough. I would just I, 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 I would say to people, they can go on. They can they can go on my website and check out uh, 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 my grocery list of things that I suggest people eat. And um, I've got some meal plans on there that you know can help people out because it, it really does boil down to nutrition. You can work out like an animal, but eat like a, a you know eat like a a, yeah. a a garbage truck and 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 be a garbage truck. What's the website? MichaelChernow.com. Boom. You also said it's it's about what you put in your body, and that was another thing subject that I was just interested to get your thoughts on because I know that you're a man who doesn't drink alcohol. And that's another thing that I've I've taken to this year. I haven't, uh, and I was like notoriously rather a fond drinker to say the very least, um, and and sort of was like, oh, I really need to cut this out. And I said in 2020, I'm going to stop drinking, and everyone was like, shut the fuck up. Like people were willing to bet me 
<laughs> like hundreds of pounds <laughs> wasn't going to do it because they were like, there's no way it's happening. But it's 11 months and a bit in and I'm, I'm proud to say I'm still. And now I don't really want to go back, I think. But is is that a thing that you've um, you found was a was a step up in life, stopping drinking alcohol? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, there, there are probably the majority of people are, are able to have one or two and call it a night. You know, me, I'm not that person. I, you know, <laughs> I, I like right you, you. you fond it, you fond a, a, a good drink. I mean, I, yeah, I love, I love drinking. Um, but the problem is, is that I, I don't know, you know, I don't have a stop button. And that goes for everything in my life, by the way. You know, I'm, I, I, I am an extreme guy. Like mm-hmm. I don't open up a restaurant. I open up 16. I don't run five K's. I run marathons. I don't, you know, like to lift weights. I compete in bodybuilding competitions. I don't like to, you know, go to the Muay Thai gym to understand how to punch and kick. Like I fight in the ring, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, like I take everything pretty extreme. And so you can imagine, I don't like to drink a couple of beers. Like I like to drink the cake, yeah. you know, I want yeah. the cake. <laughs> And so I think the world is a better place uh, now that I don't drink. At least, at least I know my, you know, uh, immediate circle of friends and family find the world to be a little bit easier to live in with yeah. me not drinking. Yeah. Well, yeah, shout out to you because I think you're a big inspiration to me personally because I think I've got that, uh, that extremeness in my personality and I, I think you're a good role model to look to of uh, good alternatives to drinking alcohol because I feel like it can be a bit of a waste of time after a while. I feel like well, I've completed you know, that part of life now. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this: I'm never, I'm never, I'm, I'm never like not available to do something, you know, for no reason, right? Like if I have to bail out of something, it's because it's something is, you know, something emergency has come up, or there's uh, there's no way to get out of a, something else that's come up. But yeah. you know, when I was drinking, I mean, man, like I was just not reliable. You know, if I was out drinking yeah. all night it, and I had something to do at nine or 10 or 11 or one in the afternoon, <laughs> good luck, yeah. good luck getting me there. You know, it wasn't happening. And so yeah. I'm just like a better human being. I, you know, I, I would, you know, I, 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 yeah, alcohol puts me in a really very, very, very vulnerable place where I just don't care about much else. Yeah. I know the feeling that's it. And it's, yeah, it's just the, the waste of time the day after where you're just a zombie. And it's like the, I feel like I've just had a year this year with like 50 extra days in it because I've haven't had all these write off days where I've just been like, you have my man, you actually have, (laughs) you shouldn't think it's you you have, you (laughs) have gotten the time back, you know, preach. We're coming towards the end, but I definitely keen. I know it's sort of in in the vein of what you were talking about earlier. There's there's a, a a veil of secrecy around it. But what can you tell us about the the new brand that you're working towards launching next year? It's called Creatures of Habit. It is a lifestyle direct to consumer packaged good business that will encompass a number of different things, but primarily packaging my daily habits into single use products um that that people can can latch onto to make mm-hmm. uh, a better life for themselves and so it'll we're going to launch with um with something called the protagonist which is a, a breakfast item or a first meal of the day item you can also use it for a pre or post workout meal but it's a full-on meal it's uh it's served in a single use pouch that you pour into a bowl it's consisting of oatmeal gluten-free oats plant-based protein powder essential vitamins and minerals and it'll come in three different flavors. You add hot water and it's ready in two minutes. And it's like a really substantial, super delicious, incredibly healthy, craveable meal that is very convenient. Um, and so that's going to be the first thing that we launch with as well as a really cool line of apparel that is, you know, I think more and more people are, are, are working from home. I mean, I know that. I don't think people mm-hmm. are working from home. And so being able to give people something that's of quality to be able to hang out in the house in and feel good about as opposed to just like an old pair of sweatpants, like, you know, giving people like a really cool sort of uniform to wear to represent um, living a life better than yesterday. And and then also being able to go to the gym in it and using it as, you know, the apparel is, is, is really sort of the lifestyle storytelling of what we're going to do at Creatures. Uh, mm-hmm. I love, I love fashion. I, I you know, I 
growing up in New York City, it's I've always sort of just been this guy that paid close attention to fashion and clothing and, and, and sneakers. And I mean, I've just always been that guy. So being able to create a line of apparel it's not going to have like 10 t-shirts, 10 hoodies, you know, all sorts. It's going to be like a capsule collection that we launch uh, every spring, summer, fall, winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll consist of like five to 10 pieces that we're really excited about. So I'm, I'm, I'm really pumped on it. And it's a cool way to, to partner with brands, other brands, and do some cool, fun collaborations. And um, so, yeah, so it's really just, uh, it's, you know, the, the Creatures of Habit brand is really sort of a, it's a mental, mental health brand at its core, just trying to give people tools to live a better life. Uh, and that's based on years and years of, of experience from from me trying to find ways to be better as a human yeah i've seen a few a few sneak peeks on your instagram of some of the uh the apparel and it's looking pretty fresh i must say and also like it's hard to tell this sometimes from a visual image but like looking at it it looks super comfortable <laughs> am i correct is the visual is the visual true you're super correct man we're creating all this stuff from scratch and there's there's a cool there's some features in the in the apparel that i've just always wanted in like a hoodie or in a pair of sweatpants that just don't really exist and so we're making it and i'm so pumped to put it out there uh when it's you know in in the spring i'm really excited about it because i i mean i have the prototypes or i have some of the prototypes and um it just it actually works you know i was so excited when the protagonist worked when i like got some of the first samples and i just took water and i put it and put it into my tea kettle and heated it up and poured it over the bowl and then a minute a minute and a half later it was like a you know delicious hot bowl of oatmeal ready to eat i was like oh my god it works can't believe it amazing (laughs) yeah love that okay three more questions to go first one is for people starting out in business and i think you know as you're thinking about this launching this new brand what's like the playbook you would say to people who are who are starting out to like to bring something to market uh well i think it starts with a vision Mm -hmm. and a story and then the belief in the vision and the story and, you know, beginning to to write things down on paper and then take it from, you know, the writing on the paper to a visual uh, representation of what it is. And the way I like to do that is I go on Pinterest and I start to look at imagery that's inspiring. And then I start to build a mood board. And then before I know it, I'm on there for like seven hours and I've got (laughs) this big, board of inspirational imagery. And then I start to figure out how I'm going to bring it to life. And that typically starts with people. So I find some people that I think can help me do it. Um, And I, you know, I ask for help wherever Mm -hmm. I can. And so I get people excited about doing it with me. Um, And then I start to actually build a team and I come up with a name and I get a trademark for the name and I start to build a deck. And I, you know, work with people to that also understand that there's like no real budget right now. We're we're starting this thing from scratch and we're going to go out and raise money and they have to believe in the mission. They have to believe in what we're doing. And then once you start to get the people to believe, that's when you can bring on somebody who either you are that person or you can bring on somebody who's very uh, operationally sort of logistically, they think that way. They think in, in, in sort of a linear plan uh to help you put the pieces together to to walk towards the the going to market and that that, i mean i'm talking i'm telling you exactly how it worked with creatures of habit and so now now there's a team of five of us and we have built a really cool roadmap for how to bring this product to market and we've created a dummy brand that is the exact same thing that we're doing except it's called something else and we've spent like little to no money on the branding for this new sort of test brand and we're going to spend a little bit of money on advertising you know digital digital ads on facebook and instagram to see what kind of people are clicking through and they're going to click through to a site that's Mm going to say we're sold out thanks for coming we're sold out please give us your email address and that's going to be how we're going to see if this is a sticky product and if it is a sticky product who is actually opting in and that's how we're really going to refine who our real customer is and then once we're ready to launch we're going to we're going to target them and that's how we're going to go to market amazing second last question what is something that nobody asks you that you wish they would Hmm. i mean as it pertains to like podcasts and interviews i guess it's a very good question. 
I guess people always are, they ask how a lot, how, mm -hmm. and, and I don't think enough people ask why, why you're inclined to do what you do. They ask you how you did it, but why you do it, um, I think is a little bit more value oriented. And, uh, yeah, and so sure. I tend to, I tend to give my why kind of right away just to lay the, the foundation and my why is really making other people happy. Like people are my thing. Like that is my thing. Why I do what I do in every, in everything in life. It's because I really love people and I really, I, I love making people happy. But I guess, you know, that question, what is your why? You know, you hear about it, uh, but I don't really get asked it that much. I think people want to know a little bit more about the technical stuff than they really, because they want the, mm -hmm. they want the, the listener of the interview to be able to take stuff and implement those things into their potential uh, businesses or life. And you don't really get that mm -hmm. from the why, right? The why is a pretty unique uh, personal question. And so, yeah, I, I kind of like the question, why do you do what you do? Nice. Okay, that's super interesting and definitely one I'll, uh, I'll be stealing and working into some conversations in the future. Then the last question is, you know, what's your call to action people? Where can people find you and, and follow and stay in touch? Yeah, it would mean the world if people would uh, go follow Creatures of Habit on Instagram uh, and Facebook. It's Creatures with a K, K-R-E-A-T-U-R-E-S of Habit. Uh, and, and, and check us out there. I mean, we don't have a lot going on on the page, but just if we, you know, go over there, throw in your email. And then, of course, you can check me um, and follow along my journey at, at, at Michael Chernow everywhere. That's my, that's my Instagram, Facebook, Twitter handle i'm uh, trying to figure out this tiktok thing <laughs> <laughs> i got i got a few things going but nothing nothing to write home about so we're working on that nice okay work in progress that's it well michael it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you you're a fucking legend and an inspiration and i hope someday we get to to meet in real life but uh for now it's been a pleasure to talk in the digital world and i appreciate you taking the time and uh, I think there's a lot of, of serious value in this for, for the listeners. So thank you so, so much. My brother, thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. And uh, let's just hope that this thing blows over and uh, we are able to hang out soon enough. I, I'm, we're planning on being in Europe all summer. So nice. maybe yeah. if we're there, we'll bump shoulders. Sounds like a plan to me. All right, well, peace and love. Bye-bye. Thanks, man. You too. This has been the Creative Marketing Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in again next week for another episode of the Creative Marketing Podcast with me, your host, Angus Boyle. That's Angus with an E, A-E-N-G-U-S, because I'm not a burger. As we've established, if you've listened to other episodes of the show, don't forget to check out artbyangus.com. Don't forget to follow Michael Chernow on Instagram. Follow Creatures of Habit on Instagram because you do not want to miss out on what is coming in the future for that brand because it's going to be fucking sick. Uh, and yeah, it's nearly Christmas. Hope you're all excited to spend a few days eating a load of shitty food and not doing any work. Um, fucking go on then. Have a great day. I'll see you later. <laughs>